to be seated. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, as we're going to continue to work through the incredible gift of the letter to the Philippians, to the church. It encourages me, inspires me, challenges me, convicts me, and uh, I hope it does to you as well. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 12 through 18 today. I, growing up, uh, grew up in the church, and there were certain moments of my life that were impactful. And one of those, every year, we would go to youth camp. And youth camp became what we would refer to as a mountaintop experience, right? Like the legendary last night at youth camp when everybody cried and, and uh, it was uh, one of those type events. But what I found in my life is that I desired, I enjoyed those. Those were wonderful experiences with, with the body of Christ, with my peers, that we were worshiping the Lord together. The Lord was revealing sin and, and issues. But I found that I wanted to go back there. I would get home and like a week later or two weeks later, it's like, I'm not feeling the same way I did in that mountaintop experience. And even today, we can go on a retreat or we can, we can get out, or maybe it's just an incredible quiet time with the Lord. And it's just a mountaintop experience that God uses in a powerful way. But we have to be careful because I found that it's not in the mountaintop or in the valley that the Christian life is, is lived. We're going to go through valleys, difficult, dark valleys as well. And we're going to have moments of mountaintops where the worship of the Lord is, is incredibly sweet. But the reality is the consistency of our Christian life day in and day out is where the Christian life is lived, where our relationship with the Lord uh, lives itself out. And so the key is consistency in obedience more than this mountain or this valley, like, Lord, get me out of the valley. I don't care what else has to happen. I just hate it here or I want to be on the mountaintop. Instead, in each of those and in our everyday lives, we are consistent in our obedience. And that's what Paul is going to talk about here. Now, the context, if you'll remember, starts, uh, Paul's talking about rejoicing, even as people are preaching the gospel with different uh, motives in chapter one. And then he talks about, he turns it to the the inward to say, hey, the church of Christ, we need to do nothing from selfishness or ambition, nothing for our own glory, but instead we have to remind ourselves and take on the mind of Christ. Christ came, he lived, he was obedient even unto death. And that incredible hymn that, that Paul gives as an illustration, here in chapter 12, now he's gonna bring it back to our, our lives. Now that we've considered that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, now, what does that mean for us? And he, he jumps off of that idea that Jesus was obedient even to death on the cross. And let's begin there in verse 12. Therefore, which means because of what Christ uh, did, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. 
So Paul is saying, hey, consider what Christ has done. Therefore, because of what Christ has done, what do we do? We embrace the responsibility of obedience as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ that we have. He became obedient unto death. Now our task as those who have been transformed, and this is specifically to the believer. If you are not a believer in Christ, this is not directed at you. Uh, this is directed to the one who says, yes, he is Lord. I have given my life to him. Now we work out that in, in the way we live our life. Paul is urging them to go out and live it out in unselfishness and humility. They had responded to the gospel. They had been obedient when Paul had declared it. And now that there's some struggles in the church, Paul's saying, don't forget that obedience that you had needs to continue. You were obedient then. I know you're going to be and continue to be obedient as you live out this salvation. And so he declares, hey, work out your own salvation. Now, the context of this is the local church. So he's not just saying you personally live out your salvation. It's a second plural that he's talking. He's, he's talking about the body of Christ. Now you've walked this out. You're, you're saved. You're following Christ. Walk this out together in obedience. Work out your own salvation together as a body. Paul's not talking about a work salvation. He doesn't say, he does not say work for your salvation. So we're not talking about um, coming and, and somehow gaining approval from God based on what I do. But we're talking about now that that approval has been achieved, now we get to live it out in the reality of, of who we are. This wholeness and healing that comes through Christ. See, when I came to place my faith and trust in Christ, I trusted that his, his sacrifice was sufficient for my sins. That Jesus had come to this earth, died on the cross, taken the punishment for sin that I should have been paid because I had told God, I, I want nothing. I will do it my way. And when I came to realize his way was actually uh, the way, then I came, repented of my sin, trusted Christ as Savior. And in that moment, my standing before God was sealed. I... I'm a believer. I'm walking that out in faith. I'm trusting his salvation alone. And so our standing before God is that my sin is paid in full, completely and directly. And then the charge of the Christian life is that we would work that out in becoming more like Jesus, not just in my standing, but in my conduct. That I really am genuinely seeking every day of my life to make what, was, what is true of my life also true in the way that I act, the way I think, the way I love others and care for others. Do I fail? Constantly. But the task is that we would work out what is true of our salvation as we go until the day, praise God, when I stand before him and I don't, I can't comprehend this, but I actually will be like Christ. I will no longer sin. And what a concept, what a, a thing to look forward to and rejoice in. So in this journey of our faith, Paul's saying, look, don't just, don't just go, yeah, Christ has paid my sin. Therefore, I can go do whatever I want. Therefore, I can let selfishness reign. No, instead, I'm going to then act that out, realizing what Christ has done. Now I'm going to go live it out by serving, by caring, by working out my salvation. It's kind of like this. This is a Chipotle gift card. I like Chipotle. Burritos are awesome. The guacamole is great. Are you hungry yet? We're getting there. And on this card is $25. 
that someone graciously paid the price for me to eat a delicious dinner of Chipotle. And, and within it, my standing is secure. I can come, I can offer it and get it. And so many people look at the Christian life as, hey, Christ paid for the penalty of my sins. Awesome, I'll stick that in my pocket and then uh, I'll pull it out someday uh, when I'm before him, say, see, I prayed a prayer, I was baptized, I I'm a Christian, but now I'm gonna go live the way I want. And they live as hungry people. When the reality is I can come and use this, not just $25 worth in my Christian life, but a limitless supply of a relationship with Christ as he is working in my life. We have been given an incredible gift to stand before God without the, the, the punishment of our sin. And yet, we should work that out. We should live that out in such a way, as we'll see, that glorifies him more than anything. Paul says we work that out, we live that out with fear and trembling. Wait, wait a minute. If, if he's taking the punishment of my sin, why, why am I afraid or why am I trembling? This is a, a respect, a, a deep understanding of who God is and what my sin costs. And so I work out my salvation. I live it out. I, I, I receive the benefits of it with fear and trembling. Why? Because sanctification is serious. Becoming more like Jesus, Jesus takes seriously for us. And participation in the body of Christ as the avenue for that becoming more like Jesus is serious as well. We don't look at the body of Christ, at the church at Travis as something that's optional for the Christian or wherever um, the Christian is a part of the local body. It is essentially serious to, to worship him, to become more like him. He wants to use us together to work that out. So I would encourage you today, what is your commitment level to working out your salvation in the context of the body of Christ? Are you able and open to share, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where my life isn't lining up with, with what Christ has called me to do. Can we be honest and upfront? Can we challenge each other in that? Can we encourage each other with humility in knowing that the goal is not that everyone just sits here or that we get you in the, the doors, but the goal is we actually become more like Jesus every time we're together. Because, look at verse 13, God's working in you. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's the beautiful thing. It's not you doing it. It's not you working out your salvation. Yes, your responsibility is to obey. Your responsibility is to take the next step in obedience. But it's God who's working in you, giving you the desire, the will to do that. If you have a hunger and a thirst for his word, guess what? That's not you. That's him working in you. If you have a hunger and a thirst to become more like him, that's not you, that's his working in you. If you have a hunger and a thirst to obey him, even when the world says, hey, that's ridiculous, that's him working in us. It is him who works both to will and to do. Why? For his good pleasure. See, when I came to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I laid down my life, said, God, I'd mess, I've messed this up. I took his life upon me and now I live 
not for my own glory, not for my own praise, not for my own desires, but now the Christian lives for the praise and glory of Jesus Christ. I serve at the pleasure of the King of Kings. And you know what? Sometimes he asks some things that I don't like. I don't personally like, or sometimes I read things in scripture that I'm like, hey, that's pretty strong, or, or, or maybe that's offensive. And you know what's beautiful? It's not up to me. I serve at the King of Kings. I think it's Tim Keller that says, if, if you serve a God that you never disagree with, you're probably worshiping yourself. Why? Because his ways are not my ways. So sometimes I recognize, or often, a whole lot of times, I have to bow the knee, come before him, and say, God, you are God, not me, in the process. We serve at the pleasure of the king. As one scholar said, it's not by imitation, but it's by incarnation. That the Holy Spirit within us is transforming us to actually become like Jesus. Not just saying it, not just singing it, but to actually in our daily lives become, look and think and smell and act like Jesus because he's the one working in us to do so. We have to embrace the responsibility of obedience within the body of Christ. And then we have to embrace the consistency of obedience, not just mountains and valleys, but the consistency of daily, every day. Look at verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things as a believer together in the body of Christ, we do things without grumbling or complaining. Grumbling is the, the idea of like a low tone, uh, a tone, you know, it's this like, I don't want to do that. And I may do it with my, uh, in protest, but like, I'm going to tell everybody how much I hate it. It's the idea of, hey, I've got to deal with a tough situation, so I'm going to go tell this other person who has nothing to do with that situation all about it and how upset I am. It's gossip, it's, it's avoiding it, and it's, it's uh, complaining about a task that you need to do to help and, and grow and work out your salvation. And then it says, don't do anything from grumbling, but also don't do anything from arguing. This is a, a confrontation that's like going to say, no, we will do it my way, not your way. Yes to the Lord, but also to each other. I don't like the way you do that, or, or I, I disagree, or I take offense of it, and now we're arguing together. And that's part of the problem with the Philippian church that Paul's addressing. So he's saying, guys, in light of what Jesus has done, and in light of obedience to become like him, don't do anything from grumbling or complaining. What's the alternative? In worship. Even things we may not want to do or desire or even tough things. Man, working in and together in the body of Christ, it involves some tough things. Even doing those things in worship to him, not in complaining. See, the goal is not that we're in a low tone grumbling or we're in a high tone arguing, but that we are consistently obeying, consistently walking it out. The goal is consistency. When you're struggling in your small group, when you're struggling 
with, with something that's going on. The goal is consistency. It's not just a mountain or a valley. It's walking in faithfulness saying, hey, we are here to help each other consistently in obedience, not in grumbling or complaining. When you're having a tough conversation or there's someone who needs to be confronted because of sin in their life, you're coming not grumbling, not complaining, not arguing, but you're consistently working in maturity to help them become more like Christ, to help you become more like Christ. In tough conversations, in pastoral transitions, in these days, we help each other, encourage each other. We're still, the task doesn't change. We're helping each other become more like Jesus. How about working with tough or unique Christians? Sometimes it can be difficult. We're not going to grumble and complain. We're not going to yell and, and, and uh, argue, but we're going to consistently seek to help them become more like Christ, to help them work out their salvation, and to, to do so in my own life and heart. When we're investing in hard soil, boy, just day in and day out, living life, seeking to be a witness to the world, we don't do it in grumbling and complaining. We don't do it in arguing. We walk it out in steadfastness. Why? Paul's already said in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So if he's going to be faithful to complete, if he's working in you, then I can't sit there and complain and say, God, you've made a mistake. God, I don't accept your sovereignty over my life in my circumstance or understanding and therefore, I'm going to do it my own way. That sounds a whole lot about the way I thought before I trusted Christ. Not now that I've trusted him for salvation. And so we don't do that. We walk it out together. Why, Paul will say, the purpose is that you would be blameless and innocent. Children of God. We know that when we're uh, saved, when we've trusted Christ, we are a part of the family of God, children of God. And he wants us first to be blameless. doesn't mean that you don't sin or you don't mess up, but that sin is dealt with, that you've repented and, and you're regularly doing that. Secondly, not just blameless, but innocent, a, a purity to what you're doing. When we're living out our faith, we're not just doing it for our own motives, but we're actually doing it for the glory of God. What does that do? It preserves our testimony. He says, so that you'll be unblemished. In other words, you'll be above reproach. Someone can't come and say, yeah, but you know, you act this way in the body of Christ, but you're acting totally different out there. You're living two lives. You got one foot on each side. When we live out, work out our salvation, when we live out and pour out our lives to become like Jesus, then we become a, a a group of people that the world can't understand. Like, why would they give up their own desires? The world wants, wants me. It's everything for me. And we're actually out there encouraging each other in humility, acting like Jesus. It sets a distinction between us and a crooked and depraved or twisted generation. When we see the way the world acts. When we see the events of the last several weeks, when the, the image of God and humanity is thrown aside, when children and babies and, and, and moms are, are tortured, 
we recognize we're in a twisted and perverse generation. That's not new. Paul lived in a twisted and perverse generation as well. And we come along as a body of Christ and seek to put on the humility of Christ and he's working in us to make us more like Jesus. And here's the kicker. Then Paul says, and when you live this out together, you're gonna shine like stars. Like in the blackest of the culture, in a culture that wants nothing to do with Jesus or certainly nothing to do with bowing our knees and obeying Jesus, you are gonna be so different, you are gonna shine. It's really tough to see stars in Fort Worth. A couple of weeks ago, I was up in Minnesota and we were at a lake. I was teaching at a men's retreat. And one night there was a fire going on and I just walked out and I looked up and it had been a long time since I'd really seen stars without light distortion. And in the darkness and blackness of, of, of night, it was awe-inspiring. I couldn't stop looking at them. People were talking around me. I'm, guys, I'm just like, I don't want to talk. I just want, I want to see what, what magnificence it is. Paul says a, a body of Christ that's working out salvation, that's becoming more like Jesus, that's encouraging other, each other in the process, that's not grumbling or complaining or arguing, but instead walking it out. That, that group of people, man, you're going to shine like stars. We will be different. Look at verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life. That's consistency. We're going to hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you always. Now, Paul's taken this parental love and care for this church that he's poured into, that he's sacrificed for. And he wants, he says, guys, when I stand before Christ at the end of my life, I want to say, look at what this Philippian church has done. I'm so proud of them because they've actually walked out their faith. They've actually lived it out to become more like Jesus. And he wants to stand there and boast in them. This isn't a a prideful uh, internal. This is a, a prideful or a, a, a boasting of the glory of God of his work in their life. See, Paul's laid down his life for the Philippian church and for the, for the body of Christ in many ways. And, and he's honestly looking at death as he's sitting in house arrest right now. So he, he says, even if I'm to be poured out, in other words, if I'm to die as a sacrifice for you, then I'm good with that. But don't forget your call. There's nothing like watching my kid get something or succeed. And when I've put so much effort and work into helping them do so, and he goes, I did it. And you're like, yes, you did. You did it. He had a lot of help or she had a lot of help in the process, right? And you see those parents who, who sacrificially pour out their lives for the, for the good of their children. And this is what Paul's saying. That he longs to, to be able to see their lives succeed as, a, as believers. And so it, it creates a challenge for us. I want to challenge you in this. Who in our church is succeeding 
becoming more like Jesus because of your pouring out, because of your efforts. Christ is working in us. He's doing it, but what, how are you being challenged to pour into each other's lives so that they're becoming more like Christ? Is there someone within our body? Or you may go, you know what? I just come and then I leave. And I just want to encourage you today that the Christian life and the body of Christ is so much more than showing up for a service and leaving. It's about investing, encouraging, walking alongside of someone. If you're not a part of a small group, small groups are ways that we can not just sit here, but we can come together in a circle and, and discuss and, and talk. And then in difficult times on mountaintops or in valleys, we can help each other with consistency and obedience. So I just want to give a couple of encouragements as we, we wrap up from this passage. Number one, pour out your life in the body of Christ with unity and consistency. Why? Because it really matters. It's really important. God has designed the body of Christ and the church to help us become more like Jesus. And so we lean into it. We don't lean out. How do you do that? Number one, you pour out your life by showing up. Not just to, to get a checkbox or, or to, to be here. I'm not talking about just attendance, but I mean actually showing up. Do you come ready to receive? Do you come ready to go, man, by the time I leave, I want to be more like Jesus than when I arrived. And then how do I help someone else also do that as well and encourage them? Not just being here bodily, but being here in spirit, ready to see what God may do among us. So many times we have a, an attitude and I'm guilty of this. I can sit there and, and in our entertainment culture, that somebody can entertain me and I can go, ah, what else you got? I'm nah, it's not doing it for me. That movie didn't do it for me. So I'll go see a different one. Or that, that band didn't do it for me. I'll go do another one. Or that church didn't do it for me. I'm gonna go to another one. But instead, we are to lean in to the, to, to the body of Christ God's called us to and to walk it out with them. Pour out your life by showing up. Yes, in body, but also in mind and heart. Second, pour out your life with joy instead of grumbling or arguing. It can be really easy to get into a pattern of leaving a place like this and like starting to knock everything that you've seen or, or things that weren't quite right or someone said something to you that you could have taken the wrong way and on the way home, it becomes a uh, grumbling, complaining time. I don't wanna, I wanna encourage you, especially, I mean, everyone, but also with your, with your kids, like if all your kids here, are you grumbling and complaining about the church? Don't be surprised if they grow up and they have want nothing to do with it. Instead, when you're on the way home, talk about the way God moved. Talk about what you learned. When you get to the dinner table, talk about at lunch what something the Lord showed you in his word. Be excited before them. Uh, whether you have kids, whether you don't, uh, use that opportunity as a time to reflect, not just to grumble or complain. We pour out our life with joy. If something is always wrong or if everyone else is in disagreement with the way that you want it, and then maybe it's not them that needs to hear this. Maybe it's me that needs to embrace not grumbling or arguing. It's not that we won't disagree about things. We may disagree about very serious things. We will. 
But when we do, and we're practicing the humility of Jesus in working out our salvation, then what we do is we converse about the issue and we leave the ego at home. When the ego overtakes the issue, then we have arguing. When the issue becomes more important and my ego has nothing to do with it, man, if I'm wrong, praise God, I want to know I'm wrong, then we can walk together in unity. When the issue becomes more important than the ego, then we can still disagree, struggle, and and still walk together in the process. Third thing, pour out your life so those who are far from God will know Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than a body of Christ that seeks to live and become more like Jesus. There's nothing that can feed the hope of the world, the the need of the world, the hunger of the world, than us going out and shining like stars because we are becoming more like Jesus. Mountains are great. Mountaintop experiences are great. And we need those as we journey into Christian life. And I just really don't like valleys. I want to get out of them as fast as possible. But in the mountaintop and the valley, we recognize that those, either of them don't disproportionately affect us if we are embracing the responsibility and the consistency of obedience within the body of Christ. So man, when I'm a puddle on the floor, I need you to come alongside and say, hey guys, or hey Ben, there's something, get back up and let's walk. Or when I'm on the mountaintop going nuts, I need somebody to say, hey Ben, That's awesome, but like, don't forget the process and the goal of what God is doing in you to make you more like Jesus and each other. I had the opportunity this week to to talk with Matt with one of our college students. Milo, are you here? There you are. There's Milo. Awesome. Now you blessed me this week. We we came, I said, tell me your story. Milo starts telling me her story. And it was it was perfect for, for today. So I said, Can I share this? I got her permission. So um but Milo was talking about at a, a camp, she came to trust Christ and, uh, and, and placed her faith and trust in Christ, was baptized, and then uh, just lived life, came to college, COVID, all those things, and she hit a low in her life. And, uh, and so she had the standing with Christ. She just wasn't working out her salvation. And she shared that at one of the lowest points in her life, she's sitting there in a room and, and, and she just the thought comes to her like, hey, you say you believe this, but you're, you're not living it out. Like if you really believe this, then, then live it out. And so she picks up her Bible and she starts to read God's word. And all of a sudden it begins to feed her, becomes a Chipotle gift card to her. And, and she uh, embraces it and begins to, to eat it and enjoy it. And then she realizes she needs a church community. So she goes and seeks that out. And, and she comes to Travis College on Tuesday night and she talks about what God did in, in, in developing, beginning the development of community and friendships. And she's sitting there with joy in the office, uh, overflowing because of, of, the, of what God has done in her life. It wasn't that when, her, when she was in the Valley experience that, that she wasn't a believer. What changed? was that she realized that to to be a Christian means that I'm going to walk this out. What changed was God in her life giving her the desire and working that out for her. And then she walks it out and she's continuing to walk it out. And we're praying for consistency as we continue to go in the process. 
That's the call of the body of Christ. Why do we pour out our lives for him and for each other? Because he poured out his life for us. Would you bow your heads? We're going to prepare for the Lord's Supper. A time when we come and we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. This is a celebration. He has done it. He's paid every price of sin. And it's a remembrance. And we're commanded to do it. Why? Because we forget. I've forgotten this week. And I've chosen to go my own way. So this is a time for us to remember again the call of obedience, of submission. It's meant for those who have a relationship with Christ. And it's meant for those who've made that relationship public through baptism so that as the church, either this church or a previous church uh, that you've been a part of can celebrate and rejoice in that. And it's meant for members of Travis or uh, for members of a a like-minded church if you're uh, visiting with us today. There's a warning to come to the table to search your heart, to search your life for sin, to use this opportunity to reflect, to repent and remember. So while the worship team is gonna sing here in just a minute, I'm gonna invite you, if, if you desire to partake of this meal, and, it, and if, if you're not a believer, we just invite you to stay right where you're at, to enjoy the moment, to reflect and say, even today is today the day of salvation when I would place my faith and trust in Christ, be forever changed. But if you're a believer in Christ and desire to take this meal, then I would invite you to come to one of the tables. There's three here in the front. There's three or two back midway. If you're in the, ba- in the balcony, there's two in the corner, one on each side. And you can grab them and there's a piece of bread and a cup on the bottom and there's juice on the top. And, and we're gonna invite you to go back to your seat and then just use the time when the band is singing to reflect, to repent, to say, Lord, would you continue to work in my life to become more like Jesus? And after they've sung a little bit, we're gonna take the meal together and rejoice in it. Let me pray. God, as we come to your table, we're so grateful for what you've done for us. Lord, our desire is to be obedient not because you're a slave driver, but because you have done so much in sending Jesus to pour out his life for us. So Lord, today we do this in obedience to you, in responsibility and consistency. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you're led, would you come and grab?